Good morning. Well, this morning, I feel like it's, we have been looking at a very serious um, subject, really, in the, last, uh, in the series that we're doing, uh, all about prayer. And one of the reasons is that um, the thing that I'm talking about this morning is, the, is what we do when we pray. And the subject is praying in the face of powers and principalities. I think originally it said on the, the speaking plan, praying for powers and principalities. No, we're not going to pray for them. <laughs> we're going to um, think about how we pray in the face of powers and principalities. And um, I've got a summary that will go up there of the different headings that I've taken uh, this morning. Um, and I will try and keep to time because we hopefully will have a bit of practice at the end in some small groups uh, around the church. So, first of all, know your enemy. The evil one is real. It's, we recognize evil when we see it. Even those who don't know the Lord would know when they see something evil. We are all appalled at acts of genocide and terrorism. And when we hear about um, abuse of children and infants, we know that's an evil thing. But especially in the Western world, we can too easily assign evil to pathological, social and psychological conditions. And they are there, um, but we can put everything into a box of being due to upbringing and the environment that people are brought up in. And things like psychiatry and psychology and sociology, they, they have a lot to teach us about how people think and behave. And we are all only human. There are strange ways in which our minds work. But there is another power at work. The Bible speaks of an evil one. That last sentence in the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. An alternative translation of that is, deliver us from the evil. And in some um, worship books, prayer books, you will find, deliver us from the evil one. Evil is assigned to an entity. I don't know who of you have read the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, where he writes a little story about a junior demon speaking to his senior about how he's managing with the, the, the ones who've given their lives to God. But C.S. Lewis says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. The Bible doesn't give this evil one a lot of press. He has a name, though. Satan, or the one I like is Beelzebub. I think that's just sort of, sort of onomatopoeic. That's who he is. Beelzebub sounds like he is. But he's acknowledged as real, and it gives us an explanation of the root of evil. It is Satan who exploits the weaknesses of Adam and Eve, and he plants the seed of doubt in their minds that God might not have told them the truth. In the book of Job, we read of the conversation between God and Satan and witness the evil that Satan throws at Job 
just to try to get him to curse his God. In Daniel, we read of Daniel praying and those prayers being answered by an angel who says he had been held back by the prince of Persia. That is understood to be the power or a principality, his prince over an area. I'm not going to go into that in great detail because I don't think the Bible does, um, but that there is a thought that there are specific lower demons who are responsible for certain areas of the world. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days in a one-on-one contest with the evil one. And he speaks about Satan in his ministry at other times as well. When the disciples went, went out healing the sick and banishing demons, Jesus says that he saw Satan fall like lightning. And he says he had given his disciples authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Just before the crucifixion, when he speaks to Simon Peter, he says to him, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. We need to know whose side we are on. We are in a battle. Satan is temporarily prince of this world, but he has restricted power. When we submit to Jesus, we are freed from the power of Satan. We move from the realm of the prince of this world to the kingdom of God. Jesus accomplished victory over death and sin on the cross, and in doing so, he defeated Satan. When we believe in Jesus and make him Lord and Master in our lives, we join the victory side. I think there's an old hymn that calls it, we're now on the victory side. There isn't any middle ground. If we don't stand with Jesus, Satan considers us members of his world. We've talked before about the kingdom of God coming and and we know that people enter into the kingdom of God every moment. If you love Jesus, then you're in the kingdom of God. But we don't see heaven on earth. And there's this overlap. The kingdom hasn't fully come. We live in the now and not yet. And while we still live in this not yet time, although Satan knows his end is guaranteed, this death knell has been signed, he's still at large. Peter says when he encourages his readers in his letter to be self-controlled and alert to the enemy, He says that Satan is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. So being on God's side, we're very much in the battle. Just being a Christian puts you in the army and on the battle line. Whenever you pray, whenever you carry out kingdom work, whenever you carry out the the works that God has prepared for you to do, those actions that are motivated by your love for Jesus... And when you are prompted by the Holy Spirit to speak or share God's good news with people, you're taking up arms against the enemy. And he doesn't like it. Just as the kingdom of God grows and extends across the world, evil also becomes more visible and terrible. There's that parable in the New Testament about 
wheat and weeds growing together. And Jesus says, you can't pull the weeds out, you'll pull the wheat out as well. They've got to grow together until the time comes when he will harvest the wheat and then the weeds will get thrown into the fire. When we say yes to Jesus, knowing who he is, we make him Lord and master of our lives. We sometimes find that life gets more difficult rather than easier. But we're not to be afraid. And I've just got a clip on the um, projector now, just a very short clip of, from a uh, course run by Peter Gregg, who did the, I don't know if you've heard of the 24-7 um, prayer campaign. Um, and he's re- he runs a prayer course. It's free. You can access it. So if you want to look up prayercourse.org, you will find the, all of the sessions. This is from the last session that he does. And as we've been talking about prayer already quite a lot in this season of um, uh, talking, talks, then um, this comes later on, which I think is quite appropriate. Um, He makes it session eight. And there's just a short clip here about uh, a story about good and evil. Isn't that what Han was talking about this morning? Um, When we, you know, we live by different values as people of God. And we're on a winning side. Talking about not being afraid, I was reminded of a... um, story about Smith Wigglesworth, who was a famous Pentecostal preacher, early 20th century. And he tells of waking once in the night to see Satan manifesting himself to him in all his terror and horror. He sits up in bed, says, oh, it's you again, lies down and goes back to sleep. And that's about as much notice of Satan when he tries to frighten us that we should take. But we do need to have our armor on. You need to know what your armor is and be ready for defense. I referred earlier to a passage in Peter's letter about being self-controlled and alert and that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter says, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In Ephesians chapter 6, we read again about standing firm, and I'm going to read this passage in total, and it'll come up on the screen, because I think it's really very key when we are mindful of what the battle is and uh, why we pray and why we act and what happens when we do that. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers. And when I typed that first, I wrote poser. (laughs) When I was typing, I mistyped it. And I thought, that's just what he is. He's a poser. Against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Satan would exploit our weaknesses and cause us to fear, especially if we haven't got grasped hold of our armor. It's the first thing a soldier has to do, get kitted up. Our armor enables us in the first place to stand our ground. And this is a real emphasis in scripture when the people of God are faced with opposition. When the Israelites are marooned between literally the devil and the deep blue sea, the Egyptians on one side and the Red Sea on the other, on their exodus from Egypt, Moses tells them, don't be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Our first action in combating the enemy is to be able to stand firm on the ground that has been won already. Satan will try to persuade us to believe in lies instead of God's truth. We covered this a little bit, came up at the church weekend last year, when we talk, um, Ian talked about the negative thoughts that we sometimes imbibe and that become embedded in our lives. And he um, pointed us to looking at the truths in Scripture to combat, combat those negative thoughts. Satan will try to undermine the truth that our righteousness and our right to come into the presence of God is sufficient in Jesus. We don't come in our own, in our own strength. It's because of Jesus' righteousness that we gain entry into the very throne room of God that we can actually come before him and pray. Satan would upset our peace so spiritually speaking, do we have our marching boots on? The peace of God which passes all understanding, which comes from knowing the good news for ourselves. If we don't, we feel every obstacle and every stone under our feet. Pete Gregg of the, the 24-7 prayer movement says that these boots we wear are our readiness to share the good news. And that, again, is something we've been talking about this morning, that there might well be opportunities in the coming weeks in this crisis to share the good news that we wouldn't have had otherwise. We're to share what we've received, being ready, as Peter teaches us, always to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. We need to understand for ourselves what Jesus has done for us and is doing in us. Satan would keep us from even lifting the shield of faith. He's under, in the business of undermining our trust in God. Right at the beginning, he whispered to Adam and Eve, did God really say that? And the helmet of salvation, do we have it on? Have we said yes to Jesus and all that he's done on the cross? Satan would have us doubt. And in that armor, we also have a weapon. Ephesians 6 encourages us to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's very obviously an offensive weapon. And I have an illustration, and I better bring it out because my brother came specially to bring it for me because I left it at home. Hence why I have my bag here. That's one weapon, and this is what represents it. I've decided that looks quite like a Roman gladius, which is what the Roman swords looked like. It's actually a gardening knife, and I use it to dig out weeds. Most of the time, sometimes for planting things, but more often than not, I use it to dig out weeds. I think that's a rather good illustration of what we do when we pray, using it in our minds, having in our minds the word of God. 
We're digging out weeds. They were told that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, and I think that's really very closely related to what they talk about, the belt of truth, which makes sense when you think that the, the Roman soldier would strap his sword to him with the belt of truth, that the belt holds everything together. The sword was usually carried in the dominant hand and the shield in the opposite hand. God's word and our faith in him are to be used together in our defense and in attack. The verse is immediately followed with the words and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I know that some people find that, I think that phrase specifically refers to praying in tongues, but I think it also means that we pray inspired by the Holy Spirit listening to what he is saying and where he's leading us in specific situations on how to pray, what to do, what to say. I feel I've given you some background and we've only got a short time that we've really got available um, before parents need to go and get their children to have a bit of practical. And I've got some suggestions of how we might pray using the word of God here because I think that um, when we pray referring back to the scriptures... There is a particular power in that, not only in praying, but in worship. When you look at a lot of the songs that we sing, very often they are um, taken from the, the Bible. The words are taken from the Bible. I could have said this morning was about reading your Bible, really, because I think that's really important that we ground ourselves in the Word of God, that we study our scriptures, that we try to learn them and remember them, because you never know when they might be useful to come to mind, whether in prayer or in speaking to somebody. I'm not talking about taking scripture and using it like a talisman. Um, some people might think that you can read a bit of scripture in a certain situation and it will be the answer. We have to have a relationship with um, Jesus in order to be able to wield the power and the authority of scripture. There's no way that it's a magic spell. It's only when we're in relationship to God and we are grasping the shield of faith that the sword is useful to us. There's a story in Acts about a group who thought they could do what the disciples of Jesus were doing and were going around casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And one day they came a bit of, of a cropper. The demon in the man they were addressing replied to them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> With that, he overpowers them and beats them up. I think it's really important that we are able to have in our minds the truths of scripture when we pray. And what I'd like us to do is to divide up into small groups for the last five minutes. Um, I've got some um, suggestions here of um, scriptures that might come in useful for different circumstances that we might be wanting to pray for. You may have something else you want to pray for this morning. I know that lots of you know your scriptures in depth and you will have things in your mind. It's, um, as Hans said this morning, Doc, when we were praying, came up with Psalm 91 and it was so appropriate. Um, and it might be that God gives you something that you want to use and refer to in your prayers this morning. Um, so I'll, those can be passed out. But what I want to do first is just to pray... I feel we've already done some of this this morning in um, some, because when we pray, many of us already refer to scripture and have in our minds what God has already said. But I'm going to pray now again for the current situation 
uh, about the spread of the coronavirus, and in it I'm referring to some scriptures um, to give you an example of what I mean. So let us pray. Father God, we know that this coronavirus does not come from you. It may well be the result of a human foolishness, Lord, but it's, it's being around is being exploited by the evil one. And he is bringing fear into people's lives. But you, God, are a God who is slow to anger, abounding in love, and you forgive sin and rebellion. And we ask for your forgiveness on our world, Lord, for the foolishness that may be behind this coronavirus, but also that is there behind the fearfulness and through the, in the greed and the, the self-centeredness of people. Lord, you are forgiving and good, and you're abounding in love to all who call on you. And we want to stand in the gap for all of our world, and especially our local community, and ask for your grace and your intervention, Lord, in stemming the spread of this epidemic. Lord, we have no reason to fear if we know you, but many do. Let us be sharers of peace. We especially ask for your protection over those who are most vulnerable. Jesus gave particular attention to those who were poor and sick and vulnerable. Lord, we pray your protection around them. And make us a responsible people, a caring people, doing what we can to prevent transmission of that infection to the elderly and infirm. Looking to them as we would our own family. Your word teaches us to do good and to care for those in need. Show us where the opportunities are to watch out for our neighbours, to find ways we can help them to make feel less isolated and fearful. Lord, give us a special um, insight that we might really hear from your Holy Spirit as we go through the next few weeks in order to show your love to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>